Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 21st of November here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, a senior leader of Hamas says they're close to reaching a truce with Israel as hostage talks progress. Open AI talks of reunification. The CEO of Microsoft tells Bloomberg that wherever Sam Altman works, he works with them. And as the Bank of England's Governor Andrew Bailey warns another interest rate hike may be needed, we look at how higher for longer rates are crushing global housing markets. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Hamas chief Ismail Haniyeh says his group is close to reaching a truce agreement in talks with Qatar and Israel. The rare public comments suggest discussions about freeing some hostages held by the militant group are progressing. Families of some hostages abducted on the 7th of October have been speaking in London. One is Thomas Hand, whose young daughter Emily is believed to have been taken by Hamas. She turned nine on Friday. All this time, we knew her birthday was coming up and, of course, we're praying to God that she would be released in time to have a birthday party. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. So in that respect, it was a very, very, very dark day. Thomas Hand also urged Israel to show restraint. It's totally just a humanitarian issue. It's nothing to do with politics. They're children. They're civilians. You can't act like that in a war. They've gone beyond the line. Thomas Hahn speaking there about his daughter and events in Gaza. Today's comments from Hamas come after Axios reported that the militant group's leader in the Gaza Strip has agreed in principle for more than 50 women and children to be released. It's understood that in exchange, Israel would release some Palestinians in Israeli jails and pause its military attacks for a specified time each day. Now, in other news, according to a memo seen by Bloomberg, OpenAI is once again in active discussions to reunify the company and bring back its ousted CEO, Sam Altman. The latest twist in the battle for control of one of the firms at the cutting edge of AI development comes after Altman agreed to run a new artificial intelligence group at Microsoft. Speaking to Bloomberg, the CEO of the tech giant Satya Nadella signalled that he'd be open to Sam Altman returning Turning to OpenAI, but under one condition. We really are, want to partner with OpenAI and we want to partner with Sam. And so irrespective of where Sam is, he's working with Microsoft. And that is the case on Friday and that'll be, that's the case today. And we will, I absolutely believe that will be the case tomorrow. Satya Nadella's interview with Bloomberg came as nearly all of OpenAI's employees threatened to quit on Monday following uh, Altman to Microsoft unless the current board resigned. The Bank of England governor has warned that UK interest rates may need to go up again. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo reports. 
Andrew Bailey has warned that food price inflation and energy costs could spike again. Speaking to the National Farmers Union, he reiterated that it is too soon to be thinking about rate cuts. It's the strongest rebuttal yet of market bets that foresee three interest rate cuts in the UK next year. Bailey warned households to expect further volatility in food bills as climate change, protectionism and even conflict in the Middle East could affect energy costs and send grocery bills surging. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. Meanwhile, Jeremy Hunt is setting out his vision for a lower tax pro-business economy with a £1 billion fund for startups. The Chancellor's early announcement comes after uh, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak suggested that tax cuts were coming in Wednesday's autumn statement. What you will see on Wednesday without going into individual measures is a whole range of measures designed to unlock business investment and close that gap with Uh, countries like France, Germany and the United States. Despite Hunt's words, the UK has been accused of failing to match its peers' commitment to spending on business. America's flagship Inflation Reduction Act dwarfs Britain's amount of spending. The European Union is set to place France on its fiscal watch list. According to Bloomberg reporting, the country risks breaking guidance to limit deficit to 3% of GDP. A watch list of countries is scheduled for release by the European Commission today. Sources suggest Belgium, Finland and Croatia are mentioned, while Germany and France are also deemed not fully compliant. Inclusion on the list has no automatic consequences, but the Commission could pursue financial penalties if resistance continues. And finally, Carlisle has received a supersized payout after selling its 28% stake in McDonald's China. With more, here's Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. The world's biggest restaurant chain is stumping up about $1.8 billion to buy Carlisle's stake in McDonald's China. That delivers a return on investment for the private equity giants of more than six and a half times. During Carlisle's six years of part ownership, the fast food chain ramped up store openings. There are now more than 5,500 in China and invested in deliveries services. Selling the trophy asset ranks as one of Carlisle's most successful exits in China. In London, a slightly peckish you in pots for Bloomberg Radio. Those are your top stories on the markets. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index is uh, six-tenths of 1% higher this morning. Eurostox 50 futures are up by a tenth of 1% and the 10-year Treasury yields three basis points lower at 4.39%. Okay, Uh, so uh, in terms of our top stories this morning, want to get some more detail on the Israel-Hamas war. Hamas chief Ismail Haneh is saying that the group is close to reaching a, quote, truce agreement with Israel as talks continue to secure the release of hostages who have been held in Gaza since the 7th of October attack. Joining us this morning is Bloomberg's Middle East breaking news editor, Dana Kresh. Good morning. Thank you for your time. What is the latest that we understand about the progress um, in these talks and and what this particular deal may look like? Good morning. Um, We do seem to be closer to a deal that would see Israel and Hamas exchange hostages and prisoners. So Hamas members have been speaking this morning to Arabic media saying they're close to a deal and that they've submitted their own conditions for that. Um, We had last night U.S. President Biden also saying that both were closing in on a deal. Um, This is, of course, mediated by the U.S. and Qatar, which also said a few days ago that the talks were progressing. So we are getting somewhere. But of course, that all, all depends on development. 
developments. So the deal would probably entail Hamas uh, releasing 50 women and children they've been holding hostage since that October 7 attack. And in return, Israel would agree to pauses in its military operations in Gaza um, for some days and also release of some Palestinians in its jails. Um, it's not a truce per se, but merely some pauses for you know a longer period of time. And that's, of course, different than what Israel had been doing that um, was allowing Palestinians in Gaza to move to safer areas away from the fighting. So that's what we know so far on the details of the deal or potential deal. What could this open the door to something more akin to a, a ceasefire, something more long, long term of this, Dana? What are the hopes that this could perhaps open to a, perhaps a broader, broader agreement? I don't think there are high hopes um, for that. Israel has made it clear on several occasions that a ceasefire would merely allow Hamas to perhaps regroup or, or take advantage of it, get more um, weapons or, or anything of that sort. So they were um, very clear about being against a complete ceasefire. And the U.S. has backed um, um, that. And you see also Arab countries are in China today, uh, sorry, Arab uh, ministers are in China today to push for a solution to the crisis. And they are asking for a ceasefire, but that seems very far-fetched at the moment, um, especially that Israel said its you know, um, re- goal of, of this entire military operation is to wipe out Hamas. And that hasn't happened yet. They you know, mm. have been working in, in the north of Gaza and all of that, but still that goal hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, Donna, Bloomberg's um, Mark Champion, opinion columnist this morning, writes that Israel risks winning the battle and losing the war. Um, The risks, what are the risks for Israel at this point? Um, I think it is the probably rising anti-Israel sentiment um, in in the Middle East and um, putting at risk the deal and the progress that it has made with several Arab countries like the UAE and Bahrain. And of course, the deal that um, with Saudi Arabia that, you know, would have probably uh, gone through, you know, if it wasn't for for this conflict now. Um, But and, and that would have been, you know, it's it's like in for, in its advantage and Israel's advantage to, of course, set its place um, in the Middle East and, of course, boost trade ties. And for Saudi Arabia, it would mean, um, you know, creating and expanding its um, clout in, in, in the region as well. So the risk is is there and, of course, alienating um, more probably people in, in the Middle East um, and its deals that it's been working on and the progress that, you know, these countries have have made in the past couple of years. Donna Kreish, our Middle East Breaking News Editor, thank you so much for joining us with the latest on that story. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.
Okay, let's uh, talk about uh, some business news now. Uh, bringing more of our interview with the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella. So obviously this is the story around OpenAI that we've been following so closely. He says that regardless of how events play out at OpenAI, Sam Altman will continue to work with the software giant. Plus, Nadella says that the artificial intelligence company needs governance changes. The Microsoft CEO has been speaking to Bloomberg's Emily Chang. We really want to partner with OpenAI and we want to partner with Sam. And so irrespective of where Sam is, he's working with Microsoft. And that is the case on Friday and that'll be, that's the case today. And we will, I absolutely believe that'll be the case tomorrow. To your knowledge, why was Sam fired? And was he involved in any wrongdoing? Has the board given you a reason? As far as I'm concerned, we were, as I said, we were very confident in Sam and his leadership team. I've not been told about anything, I, you know, they published internally at OpenAI that uh, there is not that the board has not talked about anything that Sam did, other than some breakdown in communications. And I, you know, I've not directly and was told by anyone from their board about any issues. And so, therefore, I remain confident in Sam and his leadership uh, and capability. And that's why you know we want to welcome him to Microsoft. Now, we understand that to support a, a return of Sam Altman to OpenAI, Microsoft wants some changes to the board, to governance, to its overall contract with OpenAI, so something like this never happens again. What specifically are you looking for? For example, would you want a board seat? And if not, what else? Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely will want some governance changes so that, you know, you know, you know Surprises are bad, and uh, we just want to make sure that things are done in a way that will allow us to continue to partner well. That's about it, right? You know, this idea that somehow, you know, suddenly changes happen without being, you know, in the loop is not good. Uh, and uh, we will definitely ensure that some of the changes that are needed happen, and, and we continue to be able to go along on the partnership with uh, OpenAI. So how are you envisioning this role with the sort of, you know, advanced AI team that Sam and Greg would be joining and leading? Can you explain that? And are they actually Microsoft employees right now? <laughs> like, who do they work for? Yeah, so they're all in the process of uh, joining. And yes, I mean, the, the thing is, look, you know, we have a ton of AI expertise in this company. You know, in fact, at our Ignite conference last week, uh, we talked about all of the great work OpenAI is doing and on Azure and all the, you know, models and tools that we built around it. And we also talked about all the open source models that are on Azure uh, from, you know, Llama and Mistral and um, JS and everything, you know. And then also, you know, in fact, not only only are we leaders in LLMs uh, in partnership with OpenAI, but we're also leaders in SLMs or the small language models with Phi. And we talked about that, which is all developed by Microsoft Research. So uh, what we, I'm excited about is sort of creating another team that's really going to have high ambition on leading edge advanced AI work that Sam and Greg are excited about. This is something that, you know, we've talked a lot about with them. You know, what, what happens in 25? What happens in 30? What do we do to advance both the system side, the science side? Um, and that's the thing that we will be pushing on. Now, many folks I'm speaking with don't see Sam as a sort of 
big tech company guy. He has all of these side product projects that, um, you know, we've already heard about. We've reported on new projects. Would he be able to pursue these side projects while being employed by Microsoft? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, like, you know, Sam has got broad interests and broad uh, investments and so on. And we'll definitely, you know, work through the governance aspects of it. Uh, but most importantly, I think he would want to only work at Microsoft if he wants to spend his full-time time on really pursuing the mission, just like how he was spending his time on OpenAI. And so that's kind of uh, the idea behind having him lead this advanced uh, research team around AI with Greg and others, you know, thing for us to look forward to. Satya Nadella, the Microsoft CEO there, speaking to Bloomberg's Emily Chang. To other news now, housing markets around the world are facing a similar new reality. Sharply higher borrowing costs and a shortage of homes that's keeping prices elevated. Homeowners homeowners are under financial strain as they pay more for their mortgages and those looking to get on the property ladder are finding it even less affordable than before. Today's Bloomberg Big Take story is looking at how this is playing out in countries around the world. And our personal finance editor Ainsley Thompson joins us now from Wellington in New Zealand for more Ainsley Great to have you with us on the programme. This is a global look at property markets from the US to the UK to China to where you are. What similarities did you find among all of these various places? Hello. I think the main similarity is that people with mortgages are increasingly stressed and have been caught out by the sheer speed of these these interest rate rises. Also, I think the traditional pathway to building wealth, which has been the property market for most people, is now that option is being removed for for a lot of people, whether it be first-time buy, first time buyers or also people who want to build a property portfolio. It's just becoming increasingly difficult to do. Mm. But New Zealand um, has been one of the most extreme cases. Why is that? It goes back to 2020-2021 when interest rates were incredibly low like they were in many countries and New Zealand experienced one of the biggest pandemic booms and in 2021 prices rose sorry 30 percent in that year alone so many people who bought at that time had to borrow a lot of money just to just to get a house and interest rates as I said were really low so it gave us almost a false sense of financial security and people were being stress tested by the banks on rates that are a lot lower than they are today. Since then, we've had 525 basis points worth of interest rate rises over just over a two-year period. And that's putting a lot of stress on, on households. I think the one saving grace in New Zealand is the fact that employment is really strong and, so has, and wage growth has also been really strong. So while we are seeing stressed households, we aren't seeing distressed sales of properties on any sort of large scale. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. The, I mean, the, the transmission of higher interest rates to higher mortgage costs for homeowners seems sort of the, the, the shortest jump in terms of effect. But talk to us about the effect on home building, because this is another aspect of the story as well. How, how is it affecting the actual number of homes being built and, and the housing shortage that's experienced in many places? I think Canada is a really interesting example of this. In Canada, amateur investors make up a, a large part of the market. I think it's about a third of, of homeowners in, in, in um, 2020 were um amateur investors. And they often buy pre-construction. So it feeds developers. It's a really important source of financing for developers who then go on to build, you know, 
big complexes, etc., with houses that people who aren't investors are also buying. Now, that is stopping that construction happening, which means that there is a housing shortage, and that is keeping the prices high in Canada. And it's something that is being seen around Europe as well. I think Germany and France, the number of, of building permits is, is down a lot on, on, on past years. Mm, I suppose... I mean, the other thing for that is what does it mean globally, you know, for, for the broader risks to the global economy from this kind of case study then? What it means is that people are having to pay more for their housing, whether it be to own a house or through rent. And that means they've got less money to spend. So it's, it's a handbrake on, on the global economy. It just, you know, it's really driving that slowdown. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.